Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. Before we read this passage tonight, I need to explain a little bit about why we're doing such a large section in Genesis. Uh, It's hard when you come to divide the text. You can always uh, divide it up into very small portions and Uh, You could spend a lot of time going through just the book of Genesis, but uh, there comes a point where you need to divide it up and have to choose larger sections of the text. As I said before, we'll be taking a break um, towards the end of December, so I'd like to start with the new year with uh, Genesis chapter 12 as we look towards Abram. Uh, but also this passage of text is, is also bookended uh, with our section from verse uh, 18, which explains that the whole earth was dispersed through Noah's three sons, and then we turn to Genesis 10, which explains uh, that portion as well. So uh, part of it is deliberate, a part of it is uh, practical, uh, but uh, before we read this uh, first section, we'll divide it into two tonight, uh, the end of chapter 9, and then we'll turn to chapter 10 halfway through. Uh, but before we read uh, Genesis chapter 9, let us go to the Lord in prayer. O glorious Father, lead us in your path of your commandments, and let it be a delight in us. Let our hearts be inclined to you and your word, and not for selfish gain, but looking to you in all glory and honor. Lord, turn our eyes from looking to worthless things, the things of this world, but let us turn to you, the one who has the words of eternal life, and give us life in your word. Pray you would help us through the work of the Holy Spirit. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we'll begin with uh, Genesis chapter 9, verses 18 to 28. This is the word of the Lord. Please take heed how you hear. And the sons of Noah went forth from the ark, where Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. And these three were the sons of Noah, and from these people the whole world, the whole earth was dispersed. Noah began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. He drank the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. And Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and walked backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backward, and they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine, he knew that what his youngest son had done to him. He said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, shall he be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth, and let him dwell in the tents of Shem. Let Canaan be his servant. After the flood, Noah lived 350 years. All the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. Now, we looked at this. This is one of these stories that gets missed out and not put in the children's Bible stories of Noah's drunkenness and his nakedness. This is one of these moments where we need to look at this text and understand the implications of this text, why this is here. 
but also it unpacks great theology in which we see. But we see this introduction of this passage in the first two verses, 18 and 19, the sons of Noah went forth from the ark, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The Ham was the father of Canaan, and these three were the sons of Noah, and from these the, whole, the people of the whole earth were dispersed. We'll look at uh, Genesis 19 later when we get to Genesis 10. But there's an important note here that Ham is the father of Canaan. We'll understand the importance of this, but to the original audience, Noah is written, this book was written by Moses uh, with the people most likely in the wilderness. So the notes, the editorial notes that come up here, it's not that they're written just at this time for them to understand. Noah, uh, Moses is writing this and explaining this. So we hear the, Ham, the father of Canaan, we make a loose connection. But to them, they're wandering in the wilderness, awaiting to go into the land of Canaan. So we need to understand the original audience. And sometimes when we come to passages like this, we might uh, overlook those uh, notes to begin with. So we come now to the sin of Noah in verses 20 to 21. Noah began to be a man of the soil. He planted a vineyard. He drank the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. Now Noah was a man of the soil, a man of Adama, ground. So we're making these connections here between Adam and Adama, man of the ground. That these, We're seeing these connections now with Noah and these similarities between Noah and Adam. And he begins to work the ground. No man, no, there's, no, there's this ground and this, this problem in Genesis 2 verse 5, as you remember. And there's no bush of the field and yet there was no land, no small plant on the field. Had yet to grow up, sprung up, for the Lord your God had, the Lord God had not caused it to rain on land, and there was no man to work the ground. And now we have a worker of the ground in Noah. God made Adam again. We're seeing these similarities between Adam and Noah. And again, why did Lamech call Noah uh, his name? And he called his name Noah in five verse twenty-nine. Out of the ground the Lord has cursed. This one shall bring us relief from our work, from the painful toil of his hands. So Noah leaves the ark. The land is now dry, and Noah plants a vineyard. It's time to plant a vineyard. But what does he do with this uh, gift that God has given him? He drinks the wine in verse 21, and he becomes drunk, and he laid uncovered in his tent. He takes this blessing of wine, but he takes and turns it into a sin. He overconsumes this blessing. Now, wine is not a terrible thing. Wine is not outlawed in the Bible. Being drunk is the clear sin that we see, but taking uh, wine, when Melchizedek comes, the king of Salem comes out, he brings bread and wine. He is the priest of the Most God, uh, the Most High. So he brings as a gift, an offering uh, to be able to um, uh, give. And this is a, a priest. But we also see this being misused. The sin of Lot's daughters in Genesis 19. They take the wine and they uh, make him drunk. But this is the sin of Noah. Noah uh, become, became drunk. Now we need to import, note this important thing that Noah was a sinner. 
who is righteous in the sight of God, as we've seen before. He obeys God's word, but he is still a sinner. Noah is a man of Adam. Moses is making this connection between Noah and Adam, that sin through Adam, all mankind fell in Adam. The flood did not get rid of sin. The flood did not uh, move sin out. And it's important that Noah sinned. Now, you could assume that there's this sin of his sons, and then you can just make this connection that Noah was a righteous person and his sons were sinners. But the important note is that Noah actually sins, and he lays uncovered in his tent. Or this, this word is reflexive. He uncovered himself in his tent. Now, this uncovering might uh, is used of second, in Second Samuel six of David blessing the household, and Michael saw the daughter of Saul came out to meet David and said to the king of Israel, honored himself today, uncovering himself today before the eyes of his servants, his female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. Now, in David's case, I think it's this outer garment he sheds himself of this outer garment. And he uh, dances not naked before the Lord, but he dances uh, before the Lord. But in this case, I think it actually shows his nakedness. We see these in the passages. And again, we see these similarities between Noah and Adam. These similarities. There's this sin happening. And then what happens in this sin? This nakedness, this shame uh, comes upon uh, Adam. But we see this great sin. The sin of uh, drunkenness and nakedness go hand in hand. We looked at this a little bit in Habakkuk uh, 2 verse 15. Woe to him who makes his neighbors drink and pour out your wrath and make him drunk in order to gaze upon their nakedness. This this almost spiral of events or in Lamentations 4.21. Rejoice and be glad, O daughter of Edom, you who dwell in the land of Uz, but you also shall cup shall pass and you shall become drunk drunk and strip yourselves bare. So here we have Noah, connections with Noah and Adam, the sinner, uh, whose sinner is now in this uh, nakedness. But the, the emphasis of this passage is not so much on Noah's sin, although it is very important for us to understand that Noah is a sinner. We also see this connection between the sin of Ham. So Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his brothers outside. And Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it on both their shoulders, walked backwards and covered the nakedness of their father, and their faces were turned backwards. They did not see their father's nakedness. Ham, again, makes this mention of this father of Canaan, saw his father's nakedness, and instead of uh, covering it, he went and told his brothers Some commentators believe this is some form of sexual act that Ham commits against his father. But I think if you look at the passage, it's not clear in the the case. The contrast is with Ham and uh, to his brothers Shem and Japheth. And the clear uh, factor is that uh, Ham sees his uh, his father's nakedness and he goes and mocks him, ridicules him, shames him even more where his other brothers do not look upon their father's nakedness. It's kind of a twofold in a sense, that he saw his nakedness and told and proclaimed his, to his brothers, but his brothers uh, saw, did not see his nakedness and did not proclaim it, but covered it. So Jemin Japheth took the garment 
the, the single word in Hebrew, and they run out. Uh, so maybe Ham has run out with the garment, waving it around, saying, look what our father has done, laughing and mocking his father. But again, we see these connections of nakedness and shame that is in the, the, in the beginning in the Garden of Eden. And even in Leviticus 18, it speaks of this particular sin 24 times in verses 7 to 23. It speaks of not uncovering the nakedness of your relatives. And even in Leviticus 18, it then makes this connection again between the uncovering uh, the nakedness of your relatives, but also the practices of the Canaanites. So it makes this connection again. So now we have this contrast with Ham's brothers. So Shem and Japheth took the garment and laid it on their shoulders and walked backwards. And what did they do? Instead of mocking, instead of proclaiming it, they covered the nakedness of their fathers. And their faces were turned backwards. And they did not see their father's nakedness. Again, this contrast of what his brothers actually did. And they covered the nakedness of their father. And twice it emphasizes the point that they walked backwards so they did not see their father's nakedness. So that twofold sin that we saw of seeing their father's nakedness and then boasting and proclaiming it about it. The opposite is true of uh, Shem and Japheth. So the response of Noah's son. When Noah wakes from this act, he knew what his youngest son had done to him. Maybe the talk about the camp is, is clear. But he pronounces blessings and curses. We see this contrast throughout the scriptures of these blessings and curses which are pronounced upon them. And first he offers a curse to Ham. But more importantly, not specifically to Ham, as you notice. The curse is to Canaan. And he says, cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, shall he be to his brothers or Maybe another translation might be a slave of slaves. So, and then he says, blessed be the Lord of Shem. But again, he reiterates this curse that he's put on Canaan. Canaan be his servant. And again, when he talks to Japheth, it says, let Canaan be his servant. Now, commonly, this is called the curse of Ham. But really, it's the curse of Canaan. Maybe because Noah saw the similarities between Ham and his son Canaan. But ultimately, God is sovereign over all things, and we see this true in the rest of the Bible. Now, this is a very important thing for us to stop and think about as uh, we consider. This verse has been misused throughout uh, the time to justify slavery of Africans. As we see in the table of nations, as we turn to Genesis 10 later, Ham's sons are linked to Africa. So they look to Ham's sons and they turn to Ham's sons and they say, you must be a slave of slaves. So for us to uphold this curse which is put on them, this is the curse which God has orchestrated through the Bible, then all Africans must be the slave of slaves. And they turn to this Bible and they justify slavery, saying this is why they are, because Ham's sons are cursed. Now, there's one major flaw with this. Noah did not curse Ham. He cursed Canaan specifically. So you look to the nation of Africa, 
out of Ham's sons, but really it's this tribe or this single group of the Canaanites. But they also misuse this passage because they forget the start of chapter 9, where after the ark, all mankind is still made in the image of God. And they make this division, seemingly a national division, and they say that all the descendants of this But the Bible never makes that clear division based on nations. The Bible's clear division that we see throughout the scriptures is never really about nations. The Bible, the biblical divisions are those who are in Christ and those who are outside of Christ. Those who are saved, His people, and those who are outside of the promise. What's important is you make these connections, but they forget important passages like in Joshua 2, where Rahab, who is a Canaanite woman, who is mentioned then in Hebrews 11 as a woman of faith. They don't see this connection of those inside uh, the people of God and those who are not. The mother of Boaz is mentioned in the genealogy of Matthew. But we tend to look at race via skin color. But in reality, 99% of mankind is the same. And even pigment in skin is such a small fraction of DNA that you can share more similarities in someone else's DNA that is a different skin color than you than someone who is of the same skin color. You look for a kidney, never they look at kidneys and just say, well, go choose a person with the same skin color. There's many more important factors. Blood type is one of them. You might share more similarities with people of the same blood type than other people of different uh, ethnicities. So you might share more similarities with someone uh, in a different country than someone who you share the same um, town that you grew up in. And we need to emphasize this point that as we've looked at Genesis 9 or Genesis, the whole of Genesis is unpacking this single thought which we see this unfolding promise in Genesis 3.15 that there would be the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. Again, this two distinctions that the Bible makes. This is a spiritual division, not a physical division. The line is not so much about uh, physical descendants because Noah was a righteous man, but he has a son who is uh, Canaan, who is the seed of the serpent, not the seed of the woman. So this is one of those misused passages. But then we go into the blessings, the curse of Canaan, now the blessings. Noah speaks like God. That God blesses his creation, but he also curses his creation as well. And this is one of the similarities that we notice as we go through the rest of Genesis, these blessings and curses. That God blessed his creation in Genesis 1.28, but he also cursed uh, the serpent and cursed uh, Cain as well. And Noah now blesses Shem, and we'll see this later as well. The Shem is in the line of the Lord. He blessed, blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. So we see Seth also was born of the Lord. 
as we saw at the end of Genesis 4, that the seed of promise was still carried through, through Seth. And he has a son called Enosh. And at the time, the people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Now, we looked at this verse and we noticed the, we uh, unpacked that it's not so much calling upon the name of the Lord, that they were called the people of Lord. And now we have Shem, the, who is blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. They're known by their identity and they're linked to the Lord. Lord. But Shem is that line of promise, and we'll see this later. But he also says to Japheth that God enlarge Japheth, and he might dwell in the tents of Shem. And it's a similar word to enlarge and to uh, and his name Japheth. It's made God Japheth Japheth, basically. So he does not have his own blessing, but he shares in the blessing given to Shem. The Shem has enough blessing that it overflows to Japheth, that he would dwell in the sense of Shem. So Shem is now blessed to be able to be a blessing to his brother Japheth. And then we see this shift from Noah. And we've spent this, uh, these couple of chapters in uh, Genesis looking at Noah, but now we have this shift that after the flood, Noah lived 350 years. The days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. That the effects of sin are still in play, that Noah still died. That salvation did not happen in the ark in an eternal life sense. This was not just a plan to try and fix the world of its problems. But the effects and the wages of sin are still uh, death. So Genesis 5 speaks of fathering a child. That Noah was 500 years, he fathered Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And now we get this extended period, this bracket in this genealogy almost. And now we come to the end of Noah's genealogy. And all these days of Noah were 950 years and he died. Almost from 532 to 929 in the book of Genesis is these this uh, stop where they pause and look at Noah. So we see the before the flood and after the flood that Noah still died. Now with the first half explained, now we turn to the genealogy. And these are the generations. Seeing this before as big bracketing uh, dividers in the book of Genesis. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth in Genesis 2. These are generations of uh, Adam. And then also these are the generations of Noah, uh, Shem, and Ham. Now again, I want to, uh, before we read this passage, we need to think and consider the original audience. Most of us, we come to this passage and there are a list of long names that are hard to pronounce. But to the original names, they're very familiar sounding names. It's like meeting today with people with similar last names. You might be able to know, do you know this person? And as they read through, they're not just hearing names that are hard to pronounce or good names for anyone that's having a baby coming up. These are uh, people with countries that are down the road. So this is real history that we look at, and genealogy is important, but to the original audience, I think they come with an even more uh, important factor. So now let's read Genesis 10. Um, So 
Genesis 10. This is the word of the Lord. Please take heed how you hear. These are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The sons were born to them after the floods. The sons of Japheth, Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javan, Tubal, Meshech, and Tyrus. The sons of Gomer, Ashkenaz, Riphath, Tugama, and the sons of Javan, Elisha, Tarshish, Kittim, and Dudam. These were the coastlands people spread by their lands, each with his own language, by their clans in their nations. The sons of Ham, Cush, Egypt, Put, Canaan. The sons of Cush, Seba, Havilah, Sabta, Rama, Sabteka. The sons of Rama, Sheba, Dedan. Cush fathered Nimrod. He was the first on the earth to be a mighty man, and he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore it was said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. The beginning of his kingdom was called Babel, Erech, Akdad, Kalneh, the land of Shina. And the land went up to, into Assyria and built Nineveh, Rehobah-ir, Kala, and Rizan, between Nineveh and Kala, and this the great city. Egypt fathered Ludim. Anamin, Lehabim, Leftuhim, Pathrushim, Keshluhim, of whom the Philistines came, and Kathtorim. Canaan fathered Sidon, his first was Heth, and the Jezebites, and the Amorites, and the Gergathites, the Hivites, the Archites, the Sinites, the Arvadites, the Zemarites. And the Hamarites. Afterwards, the, clan, the clans came from the Canaanites dispersed, and the territory of the Canaanites extended from Sidon into the direction of Gera and Gaza, 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 and in the direction of Sodom, Gomorrah, Adama, and Zeboim, as far as Lasha. And these are the sons of Ham and their clans, their languages, their lands, and their nations. To Shem also fathered all the children of Eber and brother of Japheth. Children were born, the sons of Shem, Elam, Asher, Akpashad, Lud, Aram, the sons of Aram, Uz, Hal, Gether, and Mash. Akpashad fathered Shelah, and Shelah fathered Eber. And Eber born two sons, the name of one was Peleg, and his days the earth was divided, and his name, the brother's name was Joktan. Joktan fathered Almodad, Shilaf, Hazamadeth, Jira, Hadoram, Uzal, Dikla, Obal, Abimel, Sheba, Ophir, Havilah, and Joab. All these were the sons of Joktan. And the territory which they extended from Misha in the direction of Sipha to the hill country of the east, and to the sons of Shem by their clans, their languages, their lands, and their nations. These are the clans of the sons of Noah according to their genealogies in their nations, from which the nations spread abroad to the, on the earth after the flood. 
So we come now to a different form of genealogy. Now it's always important to understand why the genealogy is there. This genealogy is explained why this passage is there in the start. Uh, these are the generations of the sons of Noah. Uh, the sons of Noah born to them after the flood. And then also, again, at the end, their genealogy is the nations, and the nations spread abroad after the flood. But we see this connection now to 9 verse 19. That these, the three were the, fa- the sons of Noah, and these people, the whole earth, were dispersed. So from Noah, we have all these nations coming forth. We've seen this before from um, uh, Cain and Seth, that from these two uh, brothers comes all these uh, different people, this spreading. But now we see after the flood, the same is true. The Noah and his three sons, all uh, the people come back. So... You could go through this genealogy. It unpacks why it's here. We see these connections. And we can also see these similarities and these differences. We noticed this when we went through the genealogy in verse, uh, chapter 5. This genealogy is there. And we see, saw the repetition of he fathered this son and he died. But now we come to this uh, genealogy in chapter 10. And it really is a, a table of nations, not so much about their children, but about where all these uh, children went to and this population uh, of the earth. So we see it divided up into these three sons and their children in 10 verse 2, the sons of Japheth. In 10 verse 6, the sons of Ham. And the 10 verse 22, the sons of Shem. And then we see the bracketing, the close of these, uh, these conclusions in 10 verse 5. That in their lands, each with his own language, their clans and their nations. 10 verse 20, their clans, languages, lands and nations. 10 verse 31, their clans, their languages, their lands and their nations. We see this repetition that these sons go forth and they populate an area. And these, area, these children are known in their lands, their, nation, their language, their clans and nations. That they're spreading abroad, they're spreading abroad geographically, the vocabulary is spreading. But also within these spreading of geographics, they have these tribes within these things, these people groups within these nations. That are, they're spreading across the world. They're populating the world with different vocabularies. They're populating the world with different people groups, different nations. Now with these similarities, all these people are going forth and doing this as well. Now we come to the specific sons. Japheth is the first noted in verses 2, verse 5. He's the first mentioned. He's a small group. But he's the youngest in the birth order. We see this, uh, that Shem, Ham, and Japheth is how they're introduced. He's the youngest, but he's the first mentioned in this genealogy. But also he's the first mentioned in First Chronicles as well. That he has this promise that he's going to be enlarged by uh, enlarged Japheth who dwells in the tents of Shem. So in Japheth we see three generations. Japheth has seven sons and Japheth's grandsons are seven to two of his sons. There's not a lot of Japheth. We see him spreading to the coastlands. Now we come to Ham in verses 6 to 20. Now Ham is the one uh, who comes underneath the curse of Noah, specifically curse of Canaan, and that Canaan would be a servant to his brothers. We'll come back to uh, Nimrod a bit shorter, but 
firstly, Ham has four sons, and then Ham has 24 grandsons. But there's 18 nations that come from this one uh, line of Ham to these three sons. The Keshulites, where the Philistines come from, this connection, which again, you think about as you read back, when you think about a nation of Israel being formed, they're reading all these names and where these names came from. The Hittites, the Jezubites, the Amorites, the Hivites. All these uh, tribes, these nations come up in nations' history again and again. But they're all from Ham's 24 grandsons to his three sons. And now, and then Ham's 10 grandson, great-grandsons are listed to his two grandsons. You can see this spreading, this multiplication happening from these three sons. Nations, nations are born. Areas start to become inhabited. But in Ham's line, there is a particular person who gets a couple of verses who is explained, Nimrod. Now, Cush fathered Nimrod, and he was the first on the earth to be a mighty man. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, Erech, Akdad, Kamna, and the land of Shinah. In the land of Assyria, and built Nineveh, Rehobai, Kala, and resin between Nineveh and Kala, and that is the great city. But he began to exhort himself, it says in the original Hebrew. But this word also comes up in Genesis 6, verse 11, that the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled, exhorted, uh, with violence. This emphasizes evil, Nimrod being a culmination of this evil. Now, before the Lord is not always a positive uh, terminology in how it uses. And the earth was corrupt in God's sight before God's face. But as you're reminded, the city of Lamech, that Lamech goes and what does he do? Man's uh, kingdom is to build a city. Lamech goes and builds a city in the following chapter. And now we have Nimrod going forth, and Nimrod is known for his cities. And these cities, you can get a couple of these uh, and know your history. Uh, chapter 11, Babel is not known for being a great city of the Lord. You, you think about uh, Nineveh and Jonah going to Nineveh. And not known for this being this righteous, holy city in which he goes to go and proclaim the word. But even uh, one just here is Shina. And in Daniel 1 verse 2, it says, The Lord gave uh, Jehoahim, the king of Judah, to, into his hand and some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them into the land of Shina, to the house of God, and placed his vessels into the uh, treasury as his God. So again, this emphasis of Nimrod not being a godly man, but also the terminology of mighty. We saw this uh, in verse uh, chapter 6, verse 4, that the Nephilim in those days and afterwards, the sons of God came to the daughters of man and bore, them, bore children to them. And they were mighty men, men of old, men of renown. In Obadiah Uh, Verse 9, the mighty men shall be dismayed, O uh, Timon. These mighty men aren't necessarily always a good thing. That Nimrod has been known as a mighty man. This emphasis, again, that from uh, 
in Nimrod comes this height of sin, this connection that we see that sin is not only there before the fall, that sin is here after the fall, and then sin can also uh, grow as well. The Nimrod can be uh, a person who builds his own city for his own name, for his own glory. And then we turn to Shem in verses 21 to 31. Now he's the firstborn. He's the one with the blessing from Noah, but he's the last in the table. And that's to emphasize the point of this blessing. That Noah, blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. The Shem is identified by the Lord, that he is a person of God. But Shem has five sons. But we also see in Genesis eleven eleven that Shem lived after he fathered Abakshad 500 years and he had other sons and daughters. So all these people aren't just having one son, they're having other sons and daughters. And you could see how the world could be populated in such a short period of time with this multiplication. But Shem has four grandsons and from two sons. And again, we see this again in Genesis 11, the spreading of Apakshad, Shelah, 200 years, and other sons and daughters. But Shem now has great-grandsons to one of his grandsons. He has great-grandsons Eber from his great-grandson. And he also has great-great-grandsons from Peleg and Joktan. And Joktan has 13 sons, which are his great-great-great-great-grandsons, a total of seven generations from Noah to the 13 sons of Joktan. Land of Uz, Aram's son. But I think the important thing that we get from this genealogy, and from all these nations and all these tribes spreading, is that promise that God gave in Genesis 3.15 is still unfolding, that God, even after the flood, is still protecting and still true to his word and faithful to this promise that one would come from Eve, the seed of the woman, the seed of promise. And as you turn to Luke 3, this genealogy is brought up again. This promise of this one that would come. Peleg, the son of Eber, the son of Shelah, the son of Canaan, the son of Akpakshad, the son of Shem, the Noah, the son of Lamech. Now in Luke, there's this extra name of Canaan, which is given there in verse 36. And some people say that's just a scribal error, that they come in and they just put that there and explain it, that Luke made a mistake. Canaan actually appears in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, but we need to understand that this probably in Genesis is not an ex- exhaustive list. We have here the word fathered and we just think that they had their sons. But father does not specifically that they birthed them. It can also be terminology used as father. But the important thing that we hear and see in this is that the promise of God is still continuing after the flood. That even after the flood, this promise is still there that God will protect his seed, his solely seed, to be able to bring about that serpent crusher uh, who will crush the head of the serpent. That here and amongst these names, God is still uh, preserving his line. 
that there's a blessing given to Shem that God would be would fulfill his promise that he would send one to come. And that one would come through Shem. And even as you think about Shem's blessing, but then also Japheth's blessing, that he might be enlarged his tent as he dwells in the tent of Shem. That not only Shem's line will be preserved, that Shem would have a blessing, but other people would be blessed through the line of Shem as well. We need to notice that sin is still here. That sin has not been uh, conquered. But this promise is still here. That God is still holding true to his promise that he would put enmity between you and the woman, between the serpent's offspring and her offspring, that he should bruise the serpent's head, but the serpent will only bruise his heel. It's still in effect that God's promise is still coming and still being unfolding. Even in this, this list of nations, we see this holy line passing through. That Shem is blessed. Shem is blessed because his Lord is the God Most High. That Shem is blessed that other people might be blessed as well. And we see it ever so lightly. We get the, we get the blessing of being able to see Luke 3, these connections of, of Jesus coming. The one who is going to crush the serpent's head. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. O gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you and are blessed to see, even in these unfolding uh, pages of Scripture, your faithfulness to uh, carry out your word which you promised right even before you turned to Eve and Adam in the garden. Lord, we thank you that We are blessed through Shem and his line, which you preserved, one who would come. One who would come, who would bless the nations, who would would rule the nations, who would sit on your throne at your right hand. Jesus Christ, the one who did crush the serpent's head. Lord, we look to him and give you thanks and praise that even though uh, sin was still there, after the fall, your promise still remained there as well that those who look to Christ through faith may be saved. And we pray that we would do that daily as we look to you, our Lord and Savior. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. Seven Springs Presbyterian Church began in 1874 and is a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America located in Glade Spring, Virginia. Please join us for worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. for His glory and His gospel.